0: If you're like me, you spend lots of time poring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to TetheredNation.com. Welcome to the Truth from Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 334. Today I'm joined by my buddy, Mike Perry of Pennsylvania, and we're covering postseason scouting. What does it really mean? So stay tuned. All right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine on this Wednesday afternoon. Soggy ass weekend here in Pennsylvania for the turkey opener. Uh, saw some buddies were uh, laying down some birds, uh, but uh, I did not get out. It was uh, pretty rainy here in, uh, in 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 and around the Philadelphia area. Just constant all day. Just kind of pisser. And of course you know, can only hunt till about noon. It seemed like things were going to kind of lighten up as it got a little later in the day. And it did It just kind of stayed that misty kind of drizzly rain all day where, you know, when you look at it and you walk outside at first, you're like, oh, this ain't too bad, you know, and then, you know, about an hour into doing anything outside, you're completely soaked, you know, probably even sooner. Um, not going to lie, if it was bow season or archery season, I would have been out, um, actually kind of perfect weather, um, for chasing, for chasing some bucks around, just that kind of light, drizzly, damp, kind of miserable weather where it seems that those deer or, you know, the the bigger deer like to kind of get up and move. But uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and just keep this up front really short today. Have my good buddy, Mr. Mike Perry uh, on today. This is Mike Perry North or Mike Perry from Pennsylvania. There's, there's two Mike Perrys. This is my buddy from PA. Haven't had him on in, in a uh, little while. If you don't know much about Mike, um, he's just a straight killer. Um, you know, I, I've met him, you know, and we kind of became friends Man, very early on in the podcast, actually, he was one of the very kind of early guests, probably like, you know, within like the first 50 episodes or something like that. And haven't had him on since. Um, You know, Mike is from Northeast PA, so he hunts a lot of kind of like the, I'm sorry, Northwest uh, PA. So he hunts a lot of that kind of area along with the kind of Northeast part of Ohio. Uh, everything from he's got some farms that he has some private permission on. He hunts a lot of public land in and around the area. But the one thing that Mike knows is just how to find and fill tags on on mature on mature deer at different times at different times of the season. And a lot of what we talk about today is just you know his his general approach. Um, and 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 we kind of focus in on you know the credence that he does or does not give to postseason scouting. You know Mike is a guy who spends a lot of time in the woods. Um, you know, and he'll start making a game plan and stuff like that. But we talk a little bit about how he's evolved over time from being a rut hunter, you know, earlier in his hunting journey to today where, you know, he's much more of a, um, I don't, you could maybe say bed hunter, but I wouldn't go as far as to say that, but just maybe focusing more on uh, the earlier part of the year where you have to more so focus on, on bedding areas and maybe even more so, and this is what we talk a lot about is how you have to maybe, you know, be doing more of your scouting is probably more valuable during the course of like leading right into the season or actually during the season as opposed to postseason. Um, because you really need to be kind of following the deer during that time of the year to have any have any chance because they're going to be changing with, you know, changing food sources, how cover changes and, you know, the the timber is just very dynamic that time of year, um, and so with that, you have to kind of—if you have any hope of trying to kill a mature deer that time of year—you have to kind of stay on top of how things are changing in their in their world. And that's a lot of what we talk about, and that's a lot of the focus that Mike has during the course of the year. He certainly does his postseason scouting, but you know, we talk a lot about if he had to do just one, you know, which one would he kind of prefer? Um, and so we kind of dive into those topics and the things that he looks for and things of that nature. So with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. As always, thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast today. I have one, my buddy, haven't had him on in a little while. It's uh Mr. Mike Perry. I have to qualify that and say Pennsylvania's Mike Perry. Yeah. I've got,
2: North, Mike Perry North is actually my handle on um, Instagram. So right. because there's, there's two of us. Right. Know? Mike
0: Perry North. So it's, uh, do you, and do you and Mike Perry South know each other by chance?
2: Well, just, just through social media. Yeah. Okay. We've befriended each other a long time ago, so. Nice. Yeah.
0: How long have you guys kind of you know social social media wise known each other?
2: Uh, I'd say three or four years when he started being on that Southern uh, podcast, Southern Ground or whatever it's called, and I, I heard him on there, and I'm like, no kidding, this guy's name's Mike Perry too. A small world, you know? right?
0: I remember whenever I did the episode with him, I, I got a lot of messages because people were confused. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very confusing. I thought what was funny was that time you were on the podcast with the Exodus guys, and they were. They were talking about, you know, um, hunters that you never heard of or whatever. And yeah. the one the one guy from, uh, I can't remember his name. He's the, the one, the other, not, not the Exodus podcast, but the other one,
1: uh, uh, the
2: guy from Michigan. Uh, he, was, he was on with you guys. And he's like, I need to change my name to Mike Perry. <laughs> so right. it was not, that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs>
0: nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember that. I forget where we even recorded that. I want to say, geez, I don't even know where I was when we recorded that. Man, it's been so many podcasts. This is episode, I don't even know what episode this is. I think this is 334 plus like whatever other ones I've been on. Like they all start yeah, to kind of merge together. Well, yeah. I hear
2: you on them all the time. So you get your you have been making the rounds too, no doubt.
0: Yeah, I I haven't made as many rounds recently. And that's not mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm always happy to go on people's shows and stuff and stuff like that. But um and and it's not really been a, a conscious, uh a conscious effort. I've been kind of uh maybe a little bit lower, lower of a profile recently. I've and, mm-hmm. and, it, and I've just kind of had some other things that have been kind of really interesting. I'm still, you know, you know, fo- hunting is still kind of the the focus, but this off season for me has really been kind of different. Um, just I had mm-hmm. some things pop up, like I had to kind of take care of that were, you know, family related and stuff like that. And then of course, you know, I had another, you know, outlet, if you will, that I've been spending a lot of time, you know, have a lot of interest in. And so I've not been, mm-hmm. and then of course had like some really kind of crap weather that kind of helped Held me back oh, from no getting, doubt. you know, from getting out. You know, it's hard when you're a weekend warrior. It's like if your Saturdays and Sundays are rainy, you know, or whatever it is, like pouring rain. It's you know, it's hard to get out. And then the north piece, you know, is under snow for a while usually, and so it makes it kind of tricky to get, you know, into that piece. So this year for me is going to be um, probably a lot of uh, on the fly <laughs> yeah.
1: type type of <laughs> stuff.
0: You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm gonna get out for turkey season and kind of like go to some old faithful spots and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of it is probably going to have to be a little bit of summer scouting, which I'm not a big fan of personally. Um, no,
2: it kind of stinks scouting in the summertime um, because of the, you know, the bugs and all that
0: bugs and I can't see the ground as well as I want to. And, you know, just those types of things. But, you know, so this year is probably going to be a little bit of a fly by the seat of my pants type of deal. You know, it's going to be, you know, having to wing it, which, you know, probably isn't a bad thing, man. Get you out of your comfort zone a little bit, make you have to put a little bit, burn up a little bit more boot leather, you know, and, and maybe Absolutely. the, you know, maybe the silver lining there is that you're, you know, maybe I'm more on top of the changing food, so- food sources locally. more. so Actually, than I, I
2: think, I think that's that, you know, you're hitting on something there because I mean, I love the scout a lot in, in the postseason, you know, and that's more or less the, try to figure out how the deer use the terrain and just see what I might've missed or, you know, something like that. But, it's just so important to be scouting throughout the season that if you're relying on everything that you learned back in January, February, March, April, you know, you could be, you know, you, you, you might not be seeing nothing when uh, October comes around because everything, you know, things could have changed and yeah, you gotta be flexible. So.
0: Yeah. You could be yeah. a week, two weeks later, week, two weeks early, you know, in a, in a oh, spot. Exactly. You know yeah. what I mean? That's one thing I know just in talking with, uh, you know, know, the times I've talked to like Zach Farinball and stuff like that, like he's a big believer in that. It's like, you know, scouting. I I mean, I've never, I don't know that I've ever even talked to him about specifically like, you know, off season scouting and stuff like that, but he's, I know more of the priority of like the sign of right now. Right. Because like he always says like, it's good to do that type of stuff. Right. It's good to kind of get your, you know, your baseline data inputs, maybe like find out where deer have been. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, that maybe that's the best way to say it. Find out where deer have been look around and figure out maybe have an idea or a hypothesis of why they have been there. Mm-hmm. But then you really need to kind of be back in there during the course of the season, kind of checking to see, you know, what time are year are they in there? You know, you can kind of maybe tell a little bit by the size that kind of what you're doing. Is that kind of your approach? Like, Yeah,
2: exactly. I mean, um, th- throughout, throughout the season, you know, things are changing so much. I mean, a lot of times you hear, you know, October lull, or, you know, during October or you hear, you know, all the deer just aren't there or whatever. But the fact is that the the food sources is changing constantly through October, all the way in through November. And, you know, the, the, the does are going to be where the, where the food is and the deer are going to be, you know, bucks are going to be where the does are type of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. so you, you constantly have to keep, keep moving with them. You know, you have, you have, you can't just rely on what happened last year. I mean, I, I, there was a time when that's the way I kind of hunted. I was more or less mainly a rut hunter and I've been trying to change that over the years because uh, you know, if you wanna have good hunts all through October, well, you know, of course around here you can't hunt till October. I mean, I wish we could hunt in September, but right. if you want to have good hunts all through October, you've gotta, you know, you've got to roll with the times, you know, you've you've gotta be on top of things because if you're not on top of the fresh sign, you're just simply not going to see the deer. And like you said, you, you could you could be a week earlier, a week later, a day earlier, a day late. I mean, it it, it, it changes constantly. So a lot of times, it's not so much that the deer aren't there. They just might not be in that little area or that section. And you just, you have to know. And I used to always be afraid to do much, too much, you know, walking around through the season or before the season years ago. Mm-hmm. And I've just learned over time that, you know, I don't even worry about that no more. I don't worry about bumping deer. I don't care if I, you know, I, I quit worrying about spooking deer because you just get stressed out over it. Right. You know, you just got to stay in the game. Yeah, and just keep on it, you know.
0: What what percent? What percent would you say you that you rely on, like your postseason scouting? And what percent would you say? So let's let's just maybe I'll give you a scenario. Maybe it makes it a little easier. Say you're mm-hmm. headed into this new season, right? Yeah. And this upcoming 2023 season. If you had to put a percent to it, how much are you relying on what you learn in your postseason scouting versus? what percent do you rely on what you're learning kind of or what you're seeing kind of during the course of the season
2: maybe 20 25 percent of from what i'm doing right now Mm -hmm. i mean like i said right now is basically i'm not i'm not you know a a shed hunter per se i know a lot of guys go wild over sheds and right and i think that if you find sheds that can be valuable but you also have to think uh when did why is the deer there i mean the, the the bucks that live on your property may be somewhere else when it's time to shed. So if you're just, I guess what I'm saying is if you're solely looking for sheds. I don't see how that's really, it, it, it could be the you know, your go-to or whatever. Right. So um, I, you know, I, 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 I'm using this time of year, more or less, like I said a little bit earlier is uh, just trying to figure out how the deer use the terrain, how they move, trying to see what old sign was laid down last year. But, you know, as you know, you know, that stuff does change. Now you're, if you've got resident homebody bucks, that, you know, stay in certain areas, then, you know, that's a totally different story. That's why, like, you know, I hate to say it, but it, everything's situational when it comes to hunting, in my opinion, everything, yeah. the, you know, depending on where, where, you know, where you hunt, what state, what county, I mean, it, it's, it's just everything's situational. So I can't just throw a blanket statement over, but I would say that <laughs> I'm going around in circles here, but yeah, definitely, you know, a small percentage, 20 to 25 percent um, and then you're you know, you, you gotta add a certain percentage in in the summertime following up, you know, but the deer are gonna move again and then through the season is gonna be probably, you know, 50% of your um success is the, the scouting you're doing and the information that you're getting through trail camera photos, observation sits, you know, yeah. your scouting is is what's gonna really kill the deer for you, in my right. opinion.
0: Yeah, I I like it and maybe it's because I'm sitting here you know, as we're talking like the end of April and I've only been able to get out a couple of days so far the entire off season to scout. So I'm feeling a lot better about that percentage you just threw out there. So I'm like, yeah, 25%, man. I ain't, that ain't too bad. Like I ain't missing a whole lot. <laughs> uh-huh,
2: no, you're, you're good. I mean, don't yeah. be wrong. I, I mean, it, I, anytime you can scout's good. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I mean, but, but you know, I just, I, I love to do it this time of year and you can see so much, but I, I can't count on what I'm finding now is going to help me shoot a buck when season comes around you now know, because too many things can change.
0: How often have, uh, you know, cause guys will get spots that they really like, you know, that they've had success in, in the past or, you know, or maybe they got some good Intel, you know, from a, from a previous year or whatever. When you think about the, the different bucks that you've killed, you know, in the, in the different States and stuff, mm-hmm. how often are you taking deer in like, I don't want to say necessarily the same tree, but the same spot. Or same area.
2: Um, so you're saying um um out well, yeah, you, you so within say you know, ten acres or whatever. Um yeah, s- yeah something that's, like that. that yeah, in, something in, like in that, that in an area yeah. small like that.
1: Yeah.
2: Um n- not not real often, truthfully. I mean, uh maybe over a t- a 10 year time frame. I might shoot three out of a, you know, say 10, 20 acre area right but you know it, it's just amazing how like i had this one farm that i hunt in ohio that i've been hunting since the 90s and you would think that i know every nook and cranny of that place being that you know a large percentage of it is open hardwoods that really doesn't get used by the deer all year long mm-hmm. and then you got your fields and stuff like that and i still find stuff every year that i just why you know you're just like oh, i, sh- I should have been here or you know it's just you know you, you you, you you never saw it from that uh, certain point of view before whatever whatever makes you the light bulb come on you know so i i find new things all the time so. right
0: right what a uh, how like cuz you you had mentioned you know like you used to you know years ago rely on that postseason scouting you know more heavily than you do now
2: and that's and, a bit because i was uh, you i was funnel hunting mostly
0: right and so, so. as you've kind of changed you know your your hunting style how has your like your approach to scouting changed to kind of coincide with like your, your evolution of in your style of hunting?
2: Well, I, I think, well, the main thing, the difference between, uh, then and now is, like I said, I was, I was always walking around trying to find more or less funnels or, you know, rubs or something like that. And I wasn't, you know, I was, I was more a rut hunter. Um I had two weeks vacation I was going to take. It was going to be in November when there's a more target rich environment. Right. And I was just looking for, you know, dough bedding and funnels associated with it and places that I could get in clean and out clean and that. And now I, I'm I'm just looking for more, you know, mm-hmm. I'm breaking things down more. Like in in the late season, what I've been doing this year is uh just going in and finding all the beds I can because see the areas that I hunt um in Northwest PA. And over in Northeast Ohio are just really thick, swampy areas, creek systems, and there's bedding pretty much everywhere all through there. Right. So there's no way anybody can tell me that this bedding spot is better than that bedding spot because they all have great advantages, you know, and and it's thick. So I've been breaking them down more lately than than what I used to do before. I'd be like, okay, there's deer bedding here and just keep walking. You know, where's there a funnel out or whatever. Now I'm actually... I'm going in, I'm finding the beds. Um, I'm walking every trail in and out of the beds. I'm trying to put all the sign together and come up with, a, I guess, a better plan than what I used to in the past. Because in the past, my plan was basically, I'm going to, you know, hunt my ass off for two weeks. I'm going to, you know, grind and sit and stand all day long. And now I'm trying to to do, you know, different, I'm I'm trying to, I'm just hunting differently, you know. Right. So.
0: So how much like when you, I guess, let me ask this way. When you're, when you say you're looking at the beds differently and and stuff like that, like how is it changing how you're hunting? Cause you said like before you're like, okay, there's some beds here. Like where's a funnel that's nearby? Like what is, how is your, how has your setup changed now that you're kind of
2: better well, examining those bedding to, areas? I'm trying, cause now I'm, I'm trying to hunt more earlier in, you know, like in October before I would, I would like, you know, really didn't, hunt a lot in October. And if you Mm -hmm. want to be successful in October, um, you know, and you want to get on deer, you need to, you know, be close to bedding, you know, and, and, and the bedding's changing as the food changes, you know, like this year in Ohio, I was hunting this farm and, uh, I had some good bucks that were moving through certain areas and, um, you know, uh, uh, there was white oaks, acorns falling and their season started um you know late september this past year so around the 27th or whatever right and you know th- those bucks were hitting that but they only were on that for a few days and they were gone and then 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 i had to go find them again you know the type of thing so like you know i don't know you just have to stay on them. things are changing constantly right so if you want to be successful early um you no, know, I, I I'm not sure if I answered your question or not for you the way you wanted or,
0: or no, I mean you know, what asking, but asking. Yeah, you I mean you did. I like, I have another a follow up to it because because okay. it makes sense to where it's like you know following the food, trying to stay on the deer as, as things are shifting for them. But when you're mm-hmm. setting up now, you know, are you where before you were kind of focusing on funnels like for, you know are you now focusing more so on you know entry exit trails or an exit trail from like a bedding area or something like that because like for me our season does come in down here, like the middle of, uh, or I shouldn't say down here. I'm not down here. I'm over here across the state, <laughs> but uh, the, uh, you know, it does come in like mid September sometime between like the 15th and the 19th, just depends on how like the weekends fall and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I've actually found some, you know, white Oaks early. That's kind of like the primary thing that I'll kind of chase those. And then as soon as usually like first like week of October hits, like I know even sometimes in late September, I've had like, good encounters on what I found, you know, where I found community scrapes that it's like outside mm-hmm. of doe bedding, these bucks are starting to now hit these scrapes now, especially if it's like what I've found, like I got screwed this year because my white oak crop or just acorns in general for me here was, was, was trash. And so what I basically found was, man, those community scrapes that are right outside dough bedding, like they're still getting used. But last year when I had a ton of acorns, man, I had a ton of bucks showing up at the end of September, beginning of October. And it was because it was the holy, it was the holy grail. It was that mm-hmm. doe bedding is here. So there's just general deer. There's high kind of traffic area that it's like a, a well-used trail. That's, you know, the scrape is like near a well-used trail. It's on the edge of doe bedding and there's acorns dropping in the area. So it was just like a magnet, Right. And mm-hmm. so like, for me, it's like, I'll know that like some of those scrapes will really kind of turn on around that time frame, or maybe even like the first or second week of October. And so I'll prioritize those particular areas as, as setups during that time of year. So I'm curious, is there something specific that you look for in that earlier part of the season as something to use as like your advantage or your destination or a reason why that deer is going to walk through that area?
2: Well, I, I don't know if it's something specific, but uh, things that you had just mentioned. I mean, I am looking for those scrapes, and this is like a thing that goes on from year. Uh, to, just for instance, scrapes near bedding with say there's an apple orchard there, or you know, a bunch of hawthorn or you know, type of stuff that deer are going to come come through on their way staging on their way to go out to a field, you know. And I'm looking for those those types of spots that I can you know that I can get into. You're you're looking for that and you're looking for ways to be able to get in there without them knowing that you're in there, you know? So I, I may not be answering this right, but, um, you know, that's basically what I'm trying to do is, you know, there's not, I can't say there's anything specific because, like I say, you know, there might not be any apples if you get a frost in, you know, it, it, after the, the apple trees bloom. So now that spot is it, it is no longer any good. But I guess where I was going with it, it's, it's a continuing thing from year in and year out is so I'm moving trail cameras into certain areas and some areas I'm using cell cameras, some areas I'm just using regular cameras and you're putting all that stuff in the, in, in the conjunction. So, you know, together to, to try and make it work. So when I'm scouting, I guess, if are you asking if I'm scouting in this time of the year to to try and find something specific for that? Just
0: more so like your setup, you know what I mean? Like, you know, cause I'll like use Greg Litzinger as an example, right? Like he Mm. might be hunting you know, in a swamp and there might be a high point that's like not far away and he'll know like Mm -hmm. there's like three trails that are coming in and out of that and he'll either have a trail camera or he'll have an observation where he's like, all right, this is the exit trail from that bedding area. I'm going to sit 20 yards off this exit trail. Even though there might be a scrape like 40, 50 yards away, he's prioritizing Mm -hmm. that particular particular trail. And he'll pick like the exact tree that he's going to use, you know, and like he'll confirm that when he goes in, you know, in October or whatever it is, but like his setup is really based on the movement from that bedding area, using that trail headed in whatever direction that they're heading in, whether it happens to be a destination food source or whether it happens to be a scrape that's sixty yards away or whatever the case is. But that trail is his setup.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 kind of doing the, the exact same thing. I mean, I'm but I'm trying to use current information and old information um you know from years past to to try and make all these things to come together and Mm -hmm. like the the farms i'm hunting i i mean almost everything can be and is bedding the the, they, they bed like in so many different places so i have to use current pictures historical pictures and boots on the ground you know to try to be on top of the deer if i can get in a spot like this year i had one spot in ohio that was a big beaver swamp that there was a, a couple good bucks bedding and, and I use op- observation sits and I watched the trails that they were coming out on. And then I moved in. Now, this is early October, late September, early October, you know, but I mean, I guess it's just, it's just a constant thing that's going on 365, you know? right? And it, it's, I, I don't know that there's one thing I can just nail down and say that that's what I do. It's just it's just a, (laughs) I guess a conglomeration of a lot of stuff, just trying to stay on top of the deer get eyes on them, you know, whether through a picture or, you know, a visual, you know, and, and then, and then move in. And, and then if, if, if I don't see what I want to see then I'm going to the next spot, I always am hunting a lot of different deer in a lot of different places. Right. You know? So, So, um,
0: so when you, when you get up in a, in a morning, let's just say a morning, you know, well, um, that's mm -hmm. a good question. So are you, um, so in October, are you a morning and evening guy, an evening guy, a morning guy? Like what's your, what's your preference for that?
2: Uh, evening. I, I like the evening. now. Uh, I'm not saying you can't kill them in the morning, but mm-hmm. I just, I just rather hunt evenings because I feel like you get a little bit more time. Now I'm sure there's certain days that, you know, maybe because of the, the moon or, you know, what you know, weather or whatever that, you know, you might be able to get into say real, tight end of bedding and catch a buck walking back through but i think it's a saver mm-hmm. to um hunt in evenings on places that i either know for sure that they're bedding in because like i said in, in, in a you know 100 acres of woods they could be bedding anywhere in that 100 acres in a lot of places i hunt because it is literally thick and i've found buck bedding in all over it before, you know, so I, there's no way of predicting it unless I get some sort of visual I, I'm, and other than that, it's just an educated guess, you know? Right.
0: right. So. so when do you, when do you start throwing mornings, you know, inconsistently?
2: Um, right around, uh, say around the 20th of October. Okay. Somewhere in that area a little bit later, because I mean, I get a lot, I started getting a lot of big bucks hitting scrapes around the 15th, 16th, 17th of October. I was just going to ask
0: you, I was just going to ask you that. I was going to say, what are your, what are your, favorite scrape dates because that's you you hit the nail on the head for me <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah i mean i i had one particular buck i was hunting in ohio um for several years that i called td and, and he ended up disappearing on me last year i don't know or never whatever ended up happening to him but like i i, I had him two years in a row it, the exact same well he wasn't standing in the scrape because the camera wasn't right on the scrape but it was mm-hmm. on a trail coming out of his one of his beds that i knew that he used because I had actually jumped him out of the bed before. Okay. And, uh, it was on the, the exact same day, 365, one, it was the 13th or the 14th. Um, the, the, it, those were the two dates in 2021 and 2020, both years. It was on a Thursday, but it was 365, you know, days apart. Um, and he, he was in the exact same freaking spot in the evening, you know, going to his scrape the last like 20 minutes of light, and the reason why I wasn't there is my son was playing a football game and it was a cold front both years. <laughs> and it was, it, yeah, it was, I'm sitting at the football game getting hailed on and I'm thinking to myself, this is just awesome. I bet you any money <laughs> TD is going to show up. And sure enough, you right,
1: did. Right.
2: But, right. Yeah. The, but yeah, uh, that, that mid, that mid October through, because when you get later in October, I mean, they, they, they will still get the scrapes, but where I'm hunting, it seems like they're, they're chasing does around quite a bit, those last couple days of October, first few days of November. I mean, hmm. I, I bet you I've shot most of my, my nicer bucks with a bow over the years, between like the second of November and the 10th of November, hmm. you know, I mean, I've, I've gotten some before and some after, but I mean, the majority of them have been in that time frame, and it's usually because they're on their feet and they're, and they're, and they're moving.
0: Right. Yeah. Th- those are dates that I know, you know, Greg and I both have talked about on this show that we both really like. And then mm-hmm. I've talked to, you know, uh, and all the guys at Exodus about it as you know about it as well because it's it's a date that not only do they like but it's also you know as many truck cameras as they run you know it's a date that it's a date range that they see kind of like really kind of start to pop off if you will right and yep. I've gone as far as and I've mentioned it you know a couple different times on this show it's like to where you know I start date stamping um, scrapes and and I start watching them year over and it you know and it almost doesn't matter if the same buck is in the area or not like that, that scrape, there's two in particular that I, that I hunt that. So the one, it's been three seasons in a row that I've had the, you know, the target deer in the area hit that scrape mm-hmm. in daylight um, on the same day, three years in a row, three different bucks. Yeah. 18th, three years in a row. And in yeah. the past two years I was there, I just didn't get a, didn't get a shot. You know, it just, you know,
2: <laughs> that's what I was just going to say yeah. is, you know, a lot of this, a lot of what I'm talking about is a lot of stuff that I, more or less has been through trail camera photos on what I considered primary scrapes close to bedding or staging or whatever. Mm-hmm. And how many um, box are moving where I don't have cameras? you know, yeah. I mean, you can't cover the whole farm,
1: right. You know yeah, what I mean? You're only exactly. seeing
2: a cone in front of that camera, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But, so but it's there's funny. no doubt that that's a good time for him to be out in the woods, you know? Oh
0: man. And cause, and so this is like, I always kind of, you know, knew that, right. I think we all kind of tell ourselves that and just kind of understand like, Hey, you know, obvious, right. like the trail camera only sees, but so much, right. So there's certainly mm-hmm. deer skirt cameras and stuff all the time. So last year, at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. How this kind of came to fruition was, in this particular spot, I had a truck camera. It's a hard-to-get-to spot. It's a pain in the ass to get to. And so I have a cell camera that's there because I literally, because of kind of nailing down those dates, it's like, I don't hunt it ever except really a three-day window, like in the middle of October. Because after that, it, it does really die. It'll pop off right at the end of October, first day or two of november and that's about it you'll get a three-day flurry around that time you'll get like a three-day flurry around um around that kind of like the 15th 16th 17th or 16th 17th 18th kind of time frame and Mm -hmm. uh last year through truck cameras i kind of always thought that there was probably a doe that came in early in that area and so Mm -hmm. last year on truck cameras during the summer because i run a camera in there all year round i finally Mm -hmm. saw the 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 fawn drop and when I backdated her, she would have had to been bred between the 15th and the 20th. Like, yeah. and so that confirmed it. Like, okay, so that's why that thing pops off. And like, if you know any, you know, if, if people listen, ever listen to Don Higgins talk about this, it's like, you know, those doe funds carry their, um, carry their, 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 their mother's estrus date. And so that whole doe family will have like a very similar estrus date. You know what I mean? So that scrape, as long as the, that doe family doesn't leave, that scrape should always kind of hold, hold true.
2: Yeah. I'm a firm believer in that. It's funny that you mentioned that because I've done the exact same thing with the, with the backdating yeah. and like, um, uh, I, I have all my cameras still out in Ohio most of them. And, uh, and, and that's where, you know, I've noticed it more so with the earlier running activity, you yeah. know, and, and the, and the bucks hitting the scrapes in, in like mid October. But, uh, I, I have noticed that we've had fawns that are dropping in like you know, late April or early May or whatever, and you're and then you go back and you're like, man, good lord, this deer was bred in the middle of October, you know. And people, right. they, they, a lot of people, they will not believe you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but you know, I, I, it, it has to be what's happening. Oh yeah. And there's no other. There's no other explanation. For, for sure. You know, all of a sudden, a small window of days in a certain area, all these bucks start coming around. And then you have fawns that if you count back to 201 days of gestation or whatever it is, <laughs> then, you know, you've got fawns that were, you know, that were born, you know, 200 days after that, you know, so you just backdated and you come up with, well, yeah, I guess that's why. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny. Cause I was talking to uh, Dr. Strickland from uh, MSU, from deer, uh, MSU deer labs. Um, and we were talking about that and just, you know, early does and stuff like that. And I because I had, I had a sneaking suspicion that was what was happening in, in that area. I just didn't have anything to confirm it because I would always see right before the the mature deer in the area would make his mistake in daylight those those years. I would always see like a parade of like a couple does like a couple days before that start hitting that scrape. Like they always kind of hit it, but it was just like more pronounced and more active. And then I would see a couple young bucks and as soon as I would start to see like two or three young bucks cut Start to kind of poke around, that was about the time that I knew it was about to go off. So it's like, as soon as I would see that, then I'd be like, okay, I need to get in there and hunt it like the next two days because it's going to, the next two days are probably going to be prime. And like, I kind of intuitively, you know, did that because I was, you know, watching the deer behavior and knew kind of what was going on. And then when I finally saw the fawn drop, I'd mentioned that to him and he's like, yep, nailed it. He's like, that's a, he's like, and that's a money spot. He's like, that, those places like that are like gold. You know, it's like, if you can find a spot with a an early doe, in the middle of october oh, yeah. when people don't you know aren't really in the woods he's like that's you know obviously that's the that's the that's the place to be you know
2: and i've noticed that a lot of times in these like primary type scrapes i don't know if there's ever been a study on it or whatever but i've you know we were through use of cell cameras and ju- it just going back and retrieving my cameras after the fact even you, you see these does that will literally like lay in the scrape mm-hmm. and when that happens get there
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because
2: yeah. you know it it, it because it, it seems like that you know a buck parade comes you know soon thereafter mm-hmm. so um you know and, and and i do believe like you're you were saying i don't know you said some a doctor told you uh, what a biologist told you yeah about this uh, or whatever dr stricke yeah that, okay yeah because it, it, it i would think that it would be every year they would come into you know estrus at the same time and their fawns should you would think beyond the same type of cycle yeah yeah
0: but, they, and they do carry the their mother's estrus state. so those things will stay you know and what in what we know is that you know doe families stay together so like as long as something yep. doesn't you know foreign or whatever push them out of their Uh, they
2: get shot or they get knocked pushed out or right where it's
0: like you know they all of a sudden you know put up a development next to something or you know that changes just like the ecosystem of the place or whatever it's like so long as something like that doesn't happen and there's not like some massive food source change or something like that that drives them out of there or like the under this this place is so thick like the understory is never going to go away so it's Mm -hmm. always going to be thick um and they do have and it does have like some oak trees around that aren't far away and things like that so it's like i I know why they're there you know Mm -hmm. um And I know why that scrape is there. And so as long as nothing stupid happens and pushes them out of there, I'll always kind of have that one spot as like my ACE in the hole. That's my like, Mm -hmm. get out of jail free card. It's like, if nothing else is going right (laughs) that year, it's like, I know I have a three day window that where it's like, I have a chance, you know what I mean? I got a puncher's chance,
2: you know? Yeah. See, like through the years of all evolving from the way I used to hunt and trying to learn more, you know, hill country and all this other stuff that I've been doing, but I, I've realized that I, I used to go about things totally wrong when I was younger and it, it is the reason why it kind of soured me towards hunting. And, and like I said, I was a rut hunter and the and reason why is because I was seeing big bucks during the rut, but I wasn't particularly seeing them in October, even though I was hunting back then right. in October. But back then I was going in and I was filling all my doe tags in October. Yeah. And I, I may have been, you know, <laughs> um, killing the does that were about to lead the bucks past me. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, and I did that for a long time. And, you know, ever since I stopped shooting does in October, I've seen more nice bucks in October. So yeah, I don't yeah. know.
0: Yeah, I I almost feel like you know I certainly have doe hunting spots. You know, and then there's places where it's like, I will not kill a doe in this spot until it's like, you know, December.
1: <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like then yep. it's like late yep.
0: season. It's like then I will because it's like at that point it's like I'm just kind of putting meat in the freezer and and, and whatever. And if you know. Um, if I get on a good deer, you know, then, then that's just kind of a bonus, but, um, usually that time of year, I'm just deer hunting and don't really care at that, at that point. But, you know, I hear you, man. Like they're, they're the sacred cow, uh, in the early, early to mid part of the season for me at least.
2: But, uh, now if I've scouted some properties that I know that don't have a buck that I want to shoot and I want to take the kids in there to shoot a small buck or a doe, or if I want to fill a doe tag in October, then I'll go. To, into a spot like that but but
1: you know yeah i'm
2: not going to go into any of my spots where i've traditionally been getting pictures of good bucks you know that time frame so yeah
0: yeah don't want to cut your legs off and,
2: sh- and shoot I'm, a doe yeah, <laughs> exactly
0: but i uh, mean i i was we were talking before we started recording you know i, I had seen it or remembered seeing you know uh, some photos you were posting uh while you were scouting and you'd mentioned in one of your posts, you said he's in here and there was like, just like a, a bunch of rubs around. And like, I know before we started chatting, you were like, man, that could be like a bunch of different deer. Cause you got a bunch of the deer that you're chasing, but yeah, you know, if you can, do you recall which one that Yeah, I'm know-
2: pretty sure that's the buck I call wide nine uh, on, on the one farm in Ohio, we had two, nine points. One was wide and, and it had five on the left and one was wide and had five on the right. Well, my, my buddy, Brian killed the one with the five on the left during gun season. So the, the only one left around is the one with the five on the right. But, but, uh, I, yeah, I was, I was in there scouting a bedding area and I was finding a bunch of big bucks sign, it. And I knew that he was coming from that area. See, now how really uh, that, that's the farm that I, I leased with a few friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't really hunt it this year for very much because at first I wasn't, you know, nothing was showing up that I wanted to shoot, you know? Right. So I started concentrating on other places and, you know, but, But, uh, you know, then after that buck showed up, I don't, I'd already killed my buck on another farm, you know, but then, so, but through, uh, trail camera pictures that were friends of mine that were and some of my own cameras, you know, after the fact, after the season's over, we started putting this stuff together and seeing, okay, this buck, he, he, he's frequent in this area. And, you know, that's, that's the buck I was talking about. In fact, you know, out of all the bucks on that farm that lived, He's the only one I haven't found any of his sheds from. And I, 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 I wasn't actually looking for his sheds, but I was tearing apart his bedding areas Hmm. and uh, I found every other buck, you know, because once, once the season was over, they started, they started hanging out together again. And and I started, so the deer that he was, that he was, that he was running with in, in March, uh, I found their antlers, but I never found any of his. Hmm. That's kind of, yeah.
0: What, uh, so what, a. I know the picture that you posted, there was just, there was a bunch of, you know, scrapes or I'm sorry, there was a bunch of rubs that were around and stuff. You mm-hmm. know, what, what puzzle piece, you know, what puzzle pieces maybe have you put together on him that makes you feel like, you know, all right, I've, I'm starting to get a beat on this guy.
2: Well, I I think the main thing is that he's um, running, He he's betting in, um, in this area that has a beaver, beaver swamp in it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I noticed that day in particular, because now that I remember, because I did find a couple of sheds that day from smaller bucks. He was running a trail that ran along this creek behind this beaver dam. And, uh, and, when, and when I started seeing all the, all the old, you know, because the rubs they had been made early in the year. That's one thing I don't, I'm not, rubs aren't my most reliable type of of, of sign for me. I mean, I know mm-hmm. a lot of guys love them. But for me, it's just like, well, I don't, it's great. It's a travel corridor, but when was it made? Right. Type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now that buck wasn't showing up in early October. So I have to assume those rubs were made after early October. Right. You know, but he, he was running that backside of that, um, uh, along that Creek, but behind that swamp. And I think that, um, what's interesting about it is with us having like a Southwest, or a West wind predominantly that time of year Mm -hmm. that would put him, you know, on that trail with either, you know, for the most part, a crosswind most of the times or nose wind. And then he could come up into that, into the the beds and then be able to smell anything that's up in the bedding area. You know what I mean? So, I mean, like I said, he's bedding in way more than, than one spot in there. You know, there's, there's a ton of places where there was rubs in, in a certain say like 20 yard air radius or whatever, where there was, it was all torn up. There's stuff twisted. There's, you know, branches, bro, you know, when right. you see a good rub, you know what it looks like, you know, yeah, yeah, you that, tell it's a good size buck. Yeah. And, uh, he, he, so if he was betting in those spots, which I know he was in, in certain different spots and he, he would be able to walk into those into that spot with, with a nose wind, right. you know, catch anything that's coming in. So I don't know. Um, I guess you could say he's, he was hooking into that area or whatever.
1: Right.
0: I know the last time we talked to, we talked a little bit about beaver, uh beaver swamps and it's just like it seems like that's just kind of a magnet for deer for some reason like and it's it's like it's other buddies of mine too they're like man mm-hmm. see a beaver dam climb a tree
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, yeah.
2: that's well, like. well we got a lot of them around here and, and the thing of it is is like i don't and i'm trying to like i said i'm trying to evolve and learn more different and hunt different types of habitat mm-hmm. and terrain and stuff like that But um I I always I didn't r i never randomly hunted a spot. I always would seek out the same type of terrain to hunt. Mm -hmm. So whether it be public or private, I would always look on back in the day it was old Atlas gazettes, or I'd drive squares or whatever I had to do to figure it out. Nowadays you could just look at your phone and, and and I'd look for the same type of terrain, the same type of situation because I knew how to hunt it and and I I could duplicate what I knew worked for me in uh, lots of different areas. And I think that was the key to my success a lot back in my early years is I figured out things that worked. And then I would, you know, try to find other areas that were exactly the same back when I was just, you know, sitting all day long in trees, you know, for two weeks straight, right. Shooting deer,
1: you know, right. Right.
2: But now I'm trying, you know, I'm, I've started hunting Allegheny national forest this year and, you know, just trying to learn a bunch of different stuff. How was
0: uh, how was hunting
1: that?
2: Well, um, I can tell you one thing. If, if anybody out there sees what Steve Shirk posts, all them pictures of those big bucks, mm-hmm. don't run to the Allegheny National Forest because <laughs> there are not a ton of deer in there. Yeah, but but there, I mean, there are some hammers in there, and I had pictures of five, you know, right, big. I mean, like one forty to one sixty ish type bucks out of six cameras. But the the randomness of now, like I said, I'm new to it. So, I, I mean, I, maybe I was missing something and I did move my cameras around, you know, but the random, randomness of, of it was, you know, they just, they'd be there and then they, you, it would be a ghost town for like 10 days. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's nothing. It doesn't happen like that over where I hunt in Northeast Ohio. I mean, there's too many deer around for that to happen. Right. You know, but over there it's, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's tough hunting, you
1: know?
0: Yeah. It's, uh, people get, you know, uh, I love big woods hunting. It's like one of my, it's probably my, I would say now it's my second favorite um, mm-hmm. type of hunting. Um, not because I don't, don't like it. It's just, I've become really enamored with hunting the plains and hunting in open country and hunting on the ground and spotting and stocking. Like I love, I love Kansas. I love like that, Yeah. that if I could only ever hunt whitetails in one place ever again in my life and I'd have to hunt that place every year and it's not the caliber of deer. It could be, Put the same size PA deer in Kansas, and I would still want to go to Kansas just because yeah. I like that ability to kind of track them down.
2: Yeah, you, know you got the mean? freedom, to move around. You don't know, you don't you don't feel like you you have to be in a confined to a, a tree or whatever, and you can yeah. move as you have to. Yeah, which like, I understand that at all. Totally. But,
0: but uh, the you know. I've hunted some big woods, like whether it was in Ohio and there's like the North piece is all big woods. And, and what I do like about it is, you know, is you're right. It's like, man, it's almost like I've talked to Chad about this and my buddy Aaron that I scout, I scout a bunch of that and my buddy Tom that I scout a bunch of that stuff with. And even guys that are like, I've made friends with guys that are like, you know, other locals that live up in that particular area that like listen to the show. And we just kind of, you know, started talking on social media or whatever. Cause it really kind of threw me for a loop at first because I was having a similar experience as you were, where it's like, I would find some decent deer, you know, and even when I'm just, I just, I went up to scout. I was like, man, like I would walk what seemed like, well, what didn't seem like it was miles and I wouldn't mm-hmm. see a stitch of deer sign, you know what I mean? And then yeah. all of a sudden I would see some, but it wasn't like it was big sign. It was like yeah, pretty mediocre sign, like by all, you know, accounts, like it would be something I would typically, if it was around me locally, I'd probably just keep walking. You know what I mean? Like wouldn't pay much attention to it. But I started mm-hmm. marking it because that was the only stuff I was finding. And I talked to some of the locals and they were like, oh yeah, around here, that's a good sign. They're like, that's like, like you, you, you mark that, you, you want to hunt that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so, the, and so it's, I had to almost qualify the sign, but you're right. It's like, man, if you're not in the right spots in those areas, I mean, you might as well be on another planet.
1: <laughs> oh yeah,
2: and I think what hurt this year was the, the area I was hunting. Uh, there was there was a bad acorn crop, a uh, basically a no acorn yes. crop. Yeah. So So um, you know, I was going by. It was, like I said, I'm, I'm new at it. I'm learning. So I'm still going by. Okay, they're going to bed on southeast facing slopes. They're going to be on the point. They're going they're going to travel th- this elevation. You know, they're they're they're, they're going to mm-hmm. be on this elevation line. You know, uh, the primary scrape by you know by this bedding. Blah blah blah. I I I still kept hunting it even though, you know, I I would get a picture of a big, a big one at night one day. And then eight days later, I'd get a picture of a big one there during daylight. There was really no, you know, rhyme or reason to it. And I think that I needed to move maybe either down lower, even though everyone says to hunt up higher in hill country. But Mm -hmm. I think that if I would have been down maybe closer to some creeks, we had a bunch of hot water or hot Mm -hmm. weather that, you know, this past year, you didn't have any acorns, uh, maybe get somewhere where, they could travel uh, you know, um you know a decent distance to a clear cut. I mean, I'm sure, yeah, clear cuts the deer would the, the deer are feeding in them, but probably maybe not bedding in them., yeah. you know what I mean because that's where all the pressure ends up going, I think. Mm-hmm. but uh yeah. yeah, so I just didn't I just didn't make the the right moves at the right time, just you know a learning process,
0: yeah. And what I found, like the what I found from running, I don't even know how many cameras we have up there because it's basically me and two of my buddies, like we kind of just mm-hmm. pull all of our resources together, you know, or combine resources, I should say. We scout together. We share information with each other just because, you know, I don't, I live a couple hours away from the place. So it's not like I get there all the time to hunt it. And so does my other buddy. We have one buddy who actually lives there and hunts it. That's like his local hunting spot. And uh, what I started finding was like most of the deer, most of the good deer that I was seeing actually was spending time in daylight, much lower on the mountain than I would have originally thought. Mm -hmm. And the deer that were living up top, like I did find some beds like up on top, but it's like hunting them up there is almost impossible because it's so steep and there's so much like deadfall and just dry leaves like you'd never get close to hunt them in their bed, you know what I mean like you mm-hmm. like they would be they would hear you from three quarters of a mile away, like no doubt you know yeah. um and so you almost have to find like what what I started finding was like these little pockets of like you know what we kind of started referring to as like micro habitats. And it's yeah. almost like these little like pockets of and it might be like a section of mountain laurel that's like, you know, 80 yards wide and like 150 yards long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, and that's like you're gonna hunt you you want to hunt that. Like that's where all the sign popped up. That's where there's some scrapes. There's some food around there. Like and that would be the place where deer would congregate, type of thing. You know what I mean? Or yep. there would be, like, a real thick area off, like, an old bench, like an old logging road or mining road. You know what I mean? Like, and there would just be, like, a pocket that would be, like, 50, 60 yards long by 50, 60 yards wide. And that's, like, there's hammer sign all around it. There's, like, one or two feed trees that are close by. And they're just, in this particular area, there's, like, for whatever reason, like, one section of this mountain is just polluted with acorns. and mm-hmm. But it's also the easiest access, so that's where everybody hunts. You yeah. go to some other sections, and it's, like, Man, you know, I might've walked eight miles in a day and like found one, one like red oak tree. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like not even a white oak, I found one red oak, you know? And so I had to change my, my mindset around what food was in that area. Cause I talked to some locals and they're like, dude, beach nuts. They're like, beach nuts is like the, the jam up here. I was like, there's a
2: lot of, and there's a lot of them in the area that I was at too, which I I did, I did not concentrate on because they, they, they walk right past beach nuts where I hunt.
0: Yeah. It's a hundred percent. Me too. It took me a full season until I like, you know, I was like, man, it's like, I can't find any food. And the guy was like, are you finding beach nuts? And I was like, yeah, the one area is like a shit pile of them. I was like, they're all like capped out they're all like just Mm -hmm. halls. He's like, oh yeah, deer, deer, deer piss out of those (laughs) things. And I was like, oh, good to know. Like, you know, I've been walking by that thing for like two months. (laughs)
2: <laughs> See now what I noticed about that ANF is you know I could burn through miles of scouting um, you know mi- miles and miles before I I started seeing any good sign when I was scouting the areas where you know everyone says the deer are supposed to be especially because a lot of it's open hardwoods yeah. you know and and if I, if I walked uh, I mean I, I would it would take me three weeks to walk a mile radius. Um, in Northeast Ohio or Northwest PA, because there's just, you know, it's so thick, you, mm-hmm. you you would never, you know, but over there I, I could just walk and walk and walk and you're just like, okay, well, if there's a deer, if there's a, a big bucket here, he'd have to be on the upper part of, you know, he would have to be up high because the only way he's going to hide from anything is, is, is the, is, his biggest, well, I guess his best advantage is, is looking down. He can see, you know, what's coming. and He yeah. can hear you coming because like you said, with, with the leaves. And I think that I made my mistake was not going down and scouting lower because I did notice there was, a, there was thicker cover. Now, mm-hmm. when I went back, you know, in, in March, I'm like, wow, you know, there's a lot of deer sign here. There's a lot of deer crap here. There's, you know, I'm down lower and, you know, I I thought that you weren't supposed to be low. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. you got to figure it out. You you just got to go there and walk around and figure it out, you know? So hopefully this year coming up, I'll, I'll have a better chance. I'm going to be in there during turkey season quite a bit, checking it out.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I always say, it takes like three years is usually like the the thing, like that I always kinda of, mm-hmm. the time frame I usually say it's like, especially with big woods, maybe even a little longer with big woods, where it's like by year three, it's like things should start to come together, like not come together and like necessarily killing something, but like that would be in my opinion, is like the first year where you actually have a legitimate shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's kind of like what I give myself. And so last year was year two. I think I hunted it a total of only three days. I, I ended up getting up there last year. Um and I saw two bucks, and pretty sure I bumped my the target deer that I was trying to kill,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, which was
0: pretty good. I was like three hunts, three deer. You know, I was like, yeah. you know, and the one was the the one I'm pretty sure that I know what deer it was. I, I was scouting, you know, doing what you were saying. It's like I was going, I was checking some trail cameras, and I got up there like a day early, and I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm gonna just scout today. You know, I was like, it was, I need to trying to figure out what's happening, and yeah. so I was checking some cameras, doing some scouting and there's a particular area I hung a camera that I had this one deer on the year previously. Um, I knew he was still alive. We had, I had pictures over the summer and stuff like that. Didn't live far away. Like he summered, but then I also got him in this particular area in the fall the year before. And, um, this area that I was kind of walking up through, like, you know, there was a couple scrapes that were opened up and of all the cameras, I don't even know how many cameras, like collectively, the three of us run up there. We probably have close to like 30 cameras or something like that, like over mm-hmm. the, this area. And, uh, out of all the deer we've had on camera over the, you know, the two years, there's only one deer I've ever actually seen make a scrape, you know? And I know that more are making scrapes, but he's the only one I've ever seen, you know, make a scrape. And so when I saw this, these scrapes, I was like, Hmm. I was like, I wonder if that's him. He also is like the only deer that I had on camera up there that had like a, like a busted up rack. So it's like, he's, he's a fighter, right? He's like, yeah. he's, you know, King shit, of turd Island essentially. <laughs> and, uh, And so whenever I got to like, there was like three scrapes, you know, and then like a little space and then there was like a bunch of scrapes all like together, like clustered, you know? And then there were like these deep gouges in this tree underneath the licking branch where someone like, he didn't like rub it necessarily. He was just jamming it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, that's an angry deer, you know? And I was like, there's only one deer I've had on camera that, and that I've, and when I run my cameras, I run them all on video mode. So I can like watch their behavior, you know, see how Deep they like interact. Yeah. yeah. See how they interact with other deer and stuff like that. And I'm like, there's only one deer I know of. That's just like typically a bully and it's him. I was like, this has to be him. You know what I mean? I was like, if he's bedded up here, I wasn't planning to hunt this area until like November. Cause I know he likes to be up here. Thanks. There's some doe bedding back here. I was like, but I was like, if he just laid this sign down, I mean, there weren't any leaves in it or anything. Like it was fresh. It was like, I found it within probably 24 hours of him making it. He, he must've made it like the evening before or the day before or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I was like, I'm coming back in tomorrow morning to hunt this spot and I'm going to just sit it all day. And now this is like probably like October 5th or something like that. Uh-huh. And so, and I was like, if he's in here, it's like, he might be bedded like a little higher, just like up above where I was at. And that's kind of where I was thinking he would be. And so, yeah. And, but I was like, if he's bedded a little bit lower, I was like, I don't want to just like rip straight up over the mountain. So I kind of took like an adjacent way into where it's like, I'd be able to play the wind a little bit better. And I got, oh, I don't know. I think I got probably like 10 yards from the tree. I was getting ready to climb. And I just heard something jump up below me at, from about 20, 30 yards, whatever it was, and just heard antlers cracking brush out, oh, through, out through the woods. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I'm pretty like, I never saw him, but like all the, sign and stuff was telling me that was probably him and the fact that he was bedded right below those scrapes yeah tells me that was that was probably the deer i was trying to kill
2: probably probably was you know (laughs) but i said it's it's all a lot of educated guesses man all you can do is scout put your information together and 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 make your best guess and and move on you know it doesn't work out yeah i have yet
0: i have yet to go back and pull that camera yet and i don't know that i want to (laughs) (laughs)
2: yeah you don't want to know for sure what
0: happened that's right that's right man well let's uh let's shift gears here man and and talk about deer that got killed um okay you know that's uh let's talk about your 2021 ohio buck man uh that you uh that you knocked down so you uh you mentioned in a post about this deer that you said this deer kicked your butt for three (laughs) for three months so i was as i read that post i was like i wonder what it was about this deer that that made him such a pain to try to get on the ground. So what was it about this deer that was making you kind of pull your hair out?
2: Well, he always seemed to be where I wasn't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Simply put, right.
2: <laughs> no, you know, the funny thing about that buck is in early October, we, we, uh, that, that in 2021, we had some really nice bucks running around on that farm. And, and in early October, I was like, I'm not shooting that buck. Mm-hmm. you know so i didn't even want to hunt for him and the funny and in and, in and, and, and in fact in that early uh, october time frame like the mid 15th i'd have to go back and look at my pictures but i had a cell camera on this scrape that traditionally every year it 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 it, it, it's, it gets hammered you know mm-hmm. and uh he he started showing up on that camera like every morning he came he came out of this uh swamp he walked across uh, this golden it was like goldenrod and, and, and some swamp grass and stuff intermixed he came out of this swamp and he he'd come right to that scrape and it, I knew he was bedding right by there you know and uh he he would he would be there day he would daylight in in the morning on his way into bed and then on the evening on his way out. And I was just like, I I don't want to hunt that deer. I'm hunting a different deer, you know? So I, I, when I had my chance to kill him, you know, I, my own stupidity, I didn't, I didn't try to, I didn't try to shoot that deer. And then as the box that I wanted, you know, dodge me as well, (laughs) you know, I I shifted, I shifted over towards him because, you know, I thought, well, I I can kill this buck. I mean, it's a 140 inch buck. I, I, you know, I, it, it, I'm, I'm happy with that you know right. so i started trying to hunt him and he just you know as no matter how much pressure he he he, he would not leave that farm but he just he was just he was just a smart buck and he just moved around i mean basically like i well i explained it to a few friends is he just walked circles around me for hmm. months until i finally ended up shooting him you know i could not kick him out of there right. you know and then it wasn't like i was pounding it every single solitary day i mean i was I I was, you know, putting thought into my hunts and trying, you know, to to make moves on him so that he didn't know that I was hunting him. But, you know, he he just seemed to always know what I was going to do before I did it. And it just got to be annoying, Right. you know? So, how, so I, so then I was just like, I'm not going to quit hunting this deer until I either shoot him <laughs> or he goes somewhere else and gets shot. You right. Know? Right.
0: How long, so you knew of him, obviously that season you weren't going to hunt him, but did you, was this a deer that you had known like from a, pro, from a previous season or did he just kind of show up on your radar that,
1: that year? Uh,
2: I, I, yeah, he was, he was around the year before he was a three and a half year old the year before just a straight eight. And then when he's a four and a half, he had double. Browse on each side. Um, and yeah, I I, I knew the buck, but you know, and, and I do keep all the data from deer like that, you know, camera-wise, mm-hmm. and I write stuff down and stuff. But he he wasn't, you know, a deer that I guess you would say I, I was planning on targeting for another year or two, you know. Right, right. And uh, but just you know, it, it came down to he was the buck that I had to hunt. The other ones had all disappeared, and you know, I didn't want to just say, Oh, I'll save that deer for next year. I'll, I'm just done hunting now because I'm just not like that. I mean, I like to have fun. I right. like to shoot deer, you know, we eat deer meat and, uh, you know, I, I don't consider myself like a trophy hunter. I mean, I've shot some nice trophies over the years, but you know, I, I'm a hunter first and foremost, and, and I, I like to have success, you know? So I just, I'm like, I'm, I'm this is the biggest buck I got to go after right now. Yeah. I'm going after him, You know, both barrels. That's That's, <laughs> that's
0: a great point, man. That's a great point, man. Like, you know, I, I think some people, you know, too often maybe get enamored with the, you know, the, uh, you know, I'm going to shoot this kind of deer, whether it's age or, mm-hmm. or size or whatever. And if that's not there, it kind of ruins their season, you know, and it, as opposed to like the approach that you're taking, which is, you know, like last year, the the deer that I would have shot last year, that deer I had that encounter with wasn't anything you know, not the one in the in the North piece, but the one that I found around that scrape where, he, you know, uh, on the 18th of October. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like a wall hanger by any stretch of the imagination. He, he mm-hmm. m- maybe wasn't even a wall hanger by Pennsylvania standards, you know. Um, but I knew he was the most mature deer in the area, you know, that I, that I knew of, you know, that mm-hmm. I had on camera or that I had seen and put a visual on or that I just was aware of. And so by that standard, I was like, this is what I got. This is the deer that I'm going to shoot because it is the, it is the best deer that fits my criteria. It's the oldest deer that I know, I know of, you know? Yeah. And I think too often people kind of say like, I'm going to shoot a four and a half year old deer. It's like, okay, well, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, and where you're hunting, I hope you got a four and a half, you know,
2: exactly. or you're yeah, going to have a long season,
0: you know, or not, not even just a long season. Like you might have a, an, a, uh, an unsatisfactory experience, which is a shame you know, because hunting yeah. is supposed to be something that you enjoy doing
2: that you. Exactly. And people get frustrated when they don't get, you know, end up ha- having success after a few years. And here, here's my message to the young guys out there, because I, I see too much of it, even in some young guys that, that I know that, that they, they, they don't, they're not killing deer. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're holding off for bucks that they're never going to kill in the areas that they're, that they're hunting. You have to set, Realistic goals and expectations, mm-hmm. and you cannot, you know, I mean, you're you're you're, you're going to get miserable. You're going to be miserable if you never have any success, and if you're always, you know, waiting for a 150 to come by because it. I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe maybe in Illinois or Iowa or Kansas or whatever, you you can shoot one like that every single year, but around here, you're not going to. I can tell you that for sure. I mean, you're lucky to get pictures of a 150 or 160, even in Northeast Ohio. Very yeah. rarely do we get anything over one sixty, and there there might only be one on all the farms that I hunt, you know? Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I mean, just, you know, like I said, that that the area, a couple of the areas that I hunt, it's like, I've got a lot of trail cameras out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I, I get a lot of opportunity to, you know, I, I usually in all the areas I hunt because of just the arsenal of cameras that I have, I have a pretty good sense, you know, every year of like what is in the area. You know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's not too many you know good bucks that probably haven't crossed a, at least in the areas that i hunt i can't speak for every spot but like the areas that i hunt like i have a pretty good inventory of who's who's there you know and yep. to your point it's like you know what i always tell you know you know my buddy greg he kind of gives me crap about it because he's always like dude he's like you find more you know big deer in obscure places that shouldn't have big <laughs> deer than anybody i know <laughs> You know what yeah. I mean? Like, he's like, he's just like, I'll put out a camera and all of a sudden a good deer will show up. Um, yeah. but you know, I might, you know, maybe have one 140 inch deer, like every year that like I'm aware of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, and this year I, uh, locally I didn't, you know, now I did, I did in some other areas that aren't as close to my home, you know, but locally it's like the best I had was probably. That deer that I had the encounter with was probably 125-inch deer, which I'm killing him all day long. If he if he was gonna step out and give me a shot, he was gonna eat eat some carbon, you know, hundred (laughs) percent You know, that was just and I think you're right, man. I think and that was I've talked to um I forget who it was. I think it was might have been Tony Peterson. I think he and I were talking about it the one day. And, you know, he he was like, Too often guys don't go out and just go deer hunting anymore. You know, where to what to the point that you're making where it's like they get so hung up on, you know, the, the age or the size or this is what I mean to what you just said it's like if it ain't there it's going to be real hard killing it and you should just, you know, go out and just enjoy deer hunting.
2: After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a 3-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. And a lot of the problem is the social media because they they see that, you know, that that, that they're they're given this expectation that, that these deer are out there to kill. And, and, and in some areas, of course they are, but in a lot of areas like where I live, they're, they're just not here, yeah. you know, it's, it's period. The end I, I can hold out for a, a, a 190 as long as I want to, I've gotten a picture of one buck that was that big in my lifetime. I've been running cameras since tw- uh, 20 t- year, 2001, I think it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, that, they're just not around. So yeah. yeah. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I think people have to remind themselves, it's like social media isn't real. You know, it's like, yeah. I think sometimes, <laughs> I think sometimes people, you know, say that and they know it, but they more so apply that to like, Oh, the celebrity's life isn't like that every day. Like that's curated. But Newsflash, the hunting space, 95% of that shit's curated too. You know exactly. what I mean? It's like they don't, that's not like, you know, uh, like me, for example, right? Like I could post every day, I could go out and scout and do whatever and take a bunch of pictures and then post a different post every day that like I'm living this like amazing outdoor life while mm-hmm. I'm sitting behind a computer working my day job. Exactly. And the illusion would be, <laughs> that I'm out, you know, living the outdoor life every day. And that's just Mm -hmm. not true. You know what I mean? And so the, the people, you know, that are posting a picture of a big deer or whatever, like, Oh, chasing this big deer. It's like, they ain't always chasing that deer. That's a lot of them are doing it for the gram. You know what I mean? And it's not, and it's not honest, you know what I mean? It's like, and so I would take a lot of that with a grain of salt and hunt your hunt, hunt what you want to hunt, kill what you want to kill. And just Mm -hmm. by God, just go deer hunting you know what i mean
2: like exactly yeah. it, it, this, right right here around uh, where i live in northwest pa you know i know some young guys that they they you know they're all into the in, and great dudes you know hunting public and all that but they see what these guys shoot and they think that you know i have to hunt public land and i have to shoot a buck that's this big it has to be this many years old yeah. you know and i have to have this much history with it mm-hmm. well you know public land around here if you shoot a 120, you're doing pretty damn good for yourself. Yeah, man. You know, and, and no I, I've been shooting 120s in PA forever. And someone might say, well, if you wouldn't shoot a 120, then you could shoot a 130. Well, you know what? No, you can't because I've been doing this for 36 years. Right. And, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. If you want to consistently kill bucks and have fun, go shoot the 120s. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, yeah, there might be a 140 in there but you know, your, your odds of killing them, you and the other 70 guys that hunted deer and gun season, right. You know, or whatever, you know, the pla- the places are getting pounded. So, well that, yeah, and, I don't know
0: that and there's some truth too. It's like, you know, I've always, you know, most of the guys you included, you know, that I've talked to on this podcast. Cause I've been, you know, I'm pretty fortunate, man. It's like done this show for like seven years. I've got to talk to guys like you and a bunch of other guys that, you know, that I look at and just, I'm like, man, these guys are killers. You know, like they just know how to kill deer, you know, big deer. But the common thread is always this. They've killed a lot of them. Yeah. And whenever it comes time for the, to kill the big one, they are able to fall back on all the experience of all the other not big ones, quote unquote. Right. I'm just going to, you know, that they've killed in the past. That gives them the confidence to kill that big one. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you're, Goal is to kill a 150 inch deer on public land somewhere where you hunt, where you hunt, and you've killed one doe in your life. I mean, you're most likely going to come unglued when you see that 150.
1: Yeah,
0: you know what I mean. And the chances of you actually oh, exactly. getting it on, chances of you actually getting it on the ground, probably aren't great.
2: <laughs> Dude, I come unglued still, and I've been yeah. doing this for a long time. <laughs> yeah. And if you <laughs> don't, there's
0: something wrong, right? But it's like exactly. You know, there's a part of you that's done this so for so long that like there's a, I don't want to say a routine or, or, or whatever, but there's like a, uh, a been there, done that kind of feeling right. That you mm-hmm. have, and it's with anything. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's like, if you've done it before and you've done it a hundred times, it makes it a lot easier to do it the hundred and first time.
2: You exactly. Know? It's repetitive. That's why I like it. You know, I've always preached to, to people who, anyone who will ask shoot does, shoot, yeah. you know, shoot small bucks, do whatever you got to do to when it, when that, deer comes in, have it be as automatic as it possibly can be, because it's it, still, for me, it isn't totally hundred percent automatic because sometimes I like, you know, this year when I shot my buck in, in Ohio, it's like, I don't even, you know, you don't, I remember certain parts of it, but like, I don't remember looking through the peep totally, you know what I mean? Right. I mean? You know what I mean? It's just like, sometimes you, you just kind of like blank out. And I, I don't know if it's just the emotions taking over or, you know, the adrenaline or whatever, but as much as I know that I have to follow through and keep the pin and all that. And I talk to myself and all that through it, you, you still end up like blacking out for a few seconds, you know, yeah. you're just like, okay, did I, what, what did I do? You know, I mean, in fact, when I shot my buck in Ohio this year, cause I was self-filming and when, when I shot the buck, I never even turned the camera around and said anything because I was like, that hit him? I mean, I didn't, right. you know, I mean, it's like, you know, because yeah. I was just like, I like, I sat there for like a minute and I was like, okay, what just happened? You know? Yeah. And then I finally, you know, got down and went over and looked. And I was like, because I was like, if I don't get down and look, then I'm not going to know, yeah. you know? So it's November 4th. I need to know right now. If I, if I made a good shot on this buck or hit him, whatever, I mean, it sounded like it, but you don't, I just, I didn't know for sure. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, I got down, I looked and I seen blood all over the corn stalks and then it was like, okay, now I can go back up to the tree and be happy. Right. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, this the other thing is too, is like, you know, it's not just the experience of the release in the arrow or making the shot or whatever the case mm-hmm. is. Like there's a whole aspect of, hunting that you need to kind of practice to get good at which is like being able to tell whether you've made a good shot or not right Mm -hmm. like to where it's like you know maybe you remember and you kind of go okay i hit him a little back and like in that moment you know it's like okay i probably need to take a moment i probably need to sit here for 30 minutes let that deer get far enough away because i don't think i put a great shot i'm like and you only get that kind of self-realization from like years and, and, and reps. Right. And then, you know, and then it's like, all right, let me check my arrow. It's like, well, how many arrows have you checked in your life to know whether or not you can look at an arrow and tell where you put it on the animal. Right. And then look at the blood and be able to tell, oh, is it a good trail? Not a great trail? What type of blood is it? Is it lung blood? Is it liver blood? Is it, is it muscle blood? Like,
2: do I need to wait? Do I need to go after him now? What should I do? Right. Exactly. Like there's a lot, do we call that, the dogs. I mean, what do we, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, man. And it's like, it's all that stuff is repetition. So it doesn't just stop at like, Oh, I released the arrow. Cause how, so if you're, if you're that young guy or girl, whatever, mm-hmm. trying to kill that 150, you've never killed a deer in your life. And so say you do run into one while you're in a tree and you release an arrow and let's say you do hit it. Right. Well, let's say you get down, and you check the arrow. Do you know whether or not you should be going after that deer now, or do you know whether or not you should wait six hours?
2: Yeah, you know? the steps that you make right after you release that shot are very crucial. If it isn't a perfect, you know, double lung ace them, ran over, fall over dead right in front of you type of deal. I mean, you, right. if you don't have experience at it, you could blow a deer that could end up just you know laying down and dying 150 yards away from you. You could blow it right out of there, and you'll never ever find it.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So it's just. Yeah. You know, I think the moral of the story of of that rant that we just had is Yeah, kill, kill lots
2: of deer. <laughs> Shoot lots of deer. That's my that's, that's been my model my whole life. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
0: So man, let's get back to this this deer from this Ohio deer from 2021. So when you finally caught up to him, where mm-hmm. did you where did you catch up to him and what was like the final like you know clue or whatever it was that, that uh, allowed you to put that nail on the coffin?
2: Well, I I I wasn't able to kill him with a bow, so I ended up shooting him in muzzleloader which mm-hmm. is in mm-hmm. early January over there. Yep. And um and I I knew that I had seen the buck um a couple of weeks prior. I jumped him out of a bed when I was basically kind of like scouting and stuff. Right. And I knew I knew that he was bedding in this it was, it was about a 10 acre bottom. And um and it was thick it was thick as all get out in there. So I, I had a I, I figured he was in there, so I stuck a camera down in there on one of the trails that he ran out on, and and I hadn't gotten a picture of hardly anything. I mean, like not even does or nothing. Mm-hmm. And my plan to, to, to shoot that buck it, it was the first day of the muzzleloader, and it was it was uh, really cold out that day, um, and we had. A couple of hidden standing corn, well not standing, but there, there was a lot of corn, you know, waste corn in, in the field. Now, right. so we had a couple, we we had some fields that these deer were going into, you know, in in the evening when it was dark. You know, I mean, of course, does and, and and little bucks are coming out in daylight, but I figured that you know, since the the temperature had dropped, that you know that that buck would hopefully you know get up and move earlier out of that bedding area. But I didn't know for sure, so that um, I I had went in there and and you know I I hunt mobile for the most part and. Um, I went in there the, the but for that situation, I went and put my uh my loan with at 1.0 up in a tree because the weatherman, you know, this was this was days prior to the season, the, uh the muzzleloader, mm-hmm. the, the weather the weather was supposed to be like a north or a northeast wind or whatever it was. So I set up the stand for that. Well, I get there in the morning and the wind's blowing out of the south, mm-hmm. and it was gonna blow south like the rest of the day. Right. So I'm like well, there goes my evening hunt. I ain't going to be able to worry about that, you know. Right. That's going to blow that's going to blow that. So I went to the furthest because the wind was blowing out south, I went to the furthest north part of the farm and I and I've shot up over the years I've shot a lot of bucks tracking them, you know, in in the snow, mm-hmm. um, either tracking them down or just still hunting in bedding areas. So I was like, I'm going to get this furthest north with the south, you know, kind of southwest south wind and I'm going to still hunt for this buck all day long. That's what I'm going to do. Hmm. So about noon, I had only went, I don't know, 300 yards because I was in a swamp and it was thick. And I could, I, you know, I mean, I've almost stepped on them in there before. Oh, geez. So I was just moving real slow, just taking my time. And I sat down on a log and I looked at my phone and I get a picture of that buck at like 1205 in that bedding area.
1: Huh.
2: And I'm like, No freaking way! And now I don't know if he got spooked off a a, a neighboring farm, if I pushed him out somehow when I was still hunting, or why he ended up in there. But he—I got a picture of him a little bit after noon. So I went up to the barn, and and I had a a lone wolf climber up there. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get on the, the the would be the the northern side of this little like five acre chunk of woods. And it, it drops down. It, there's not a lot of elevation change mm-hmm. over where I hunt. It's mostly flat, but there's there's a couple high spots that are like 20 feet higher. Yep. So where I was gonna hunt was on the other side of that five acre chunk and watch. You know, down. Um. You know, I was I was hoping they were gonna come out through, but what I did was I got on the north furthest most north part of it, and there was a little tiny finger that came up through there. And it's a way that they filter out into the fields. Okay. So I got the climber and I just took my good old time. I was like, well, I got the picture of him at 12. I'm going to, you know, take as much time as it takes to get in that tree and be quiet because I know that he ain't going to probably move until right before dark anyway. Right. So I climbed up in the tree. Um, It took me probably two hours to get to where I wanted to go. I had to go through the, you know, I don't know if you ever walked through that swampy mucky, you know, black yeah. silty dirt and you yeah. sink in, you know? Yeah. And so I was just like trying to be quiet and, and 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 I got there, I got the climber on a tree and I only went up, I don't know, eight or 10 feet. Cause I could see the point. And uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes before, uh, you know, shooting light was over um, deer started filtering up the point and there was some does and a couple of young bucks. And then one buck that came up through, which is the buck that ended up being, I said earlier, the wide nine this year that my buddy shot he come up through and he walked through and and then here he comes the 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 double the double uh brow time buck hmm. he come walking up through about 60 yards out and you know i shot him and it, you yeah. know it was a it was a, it was a culmination of a lot of a lot of hunts that led to that but it definitely you know helped out having because i quite be quite honest with you and i know you know cell cameras get a bad rap sometime and it's the only time i've ever had I think a, uh, cell camp well, for sure. A cell camera ever like tipped me off on where a deer was now that deer where I got the picture, it was at least 300 yards away from where I was hunting. Right. I couldn't get in there any closer than that. Right. And, and, uh, so, but, but that, if it wasn't for that picture, I, that buck would probably still have been around this past season. Right.
0: So, How many hunts do you think you had for him in total?
2: Oh, uh, quite a few, probably from about November 8th all the way till uh, January, I think it was six when I shot him, I, I'd say, you know, I mean, we're not talking full all day hunts. I mean, I'm, I, 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 was, you know, hunting, I worked third then. So I, I would go, you know, any chance I could get when the conditions were right, but I'd say 20 or 30 hunts wow. on that deer it, it, that I spent on him. But the thing that was, is he was still showing up on hmm. either my cameras or my buddy's cameras. So I knew I wasn't pushing him out of there. I was kind of, I basically was bouncing around a couple different big bedding areas at different directions, depending on the wind and stuff like that, you know, and he just wasn't, he wasn't leaving. Right. You know, he, he stayed in there.
0: So. Now is that, is that the hunt that's coming up or is it the one we're about to talk about? That's on uh, white tail addictions. So it'll be on
2: tail addictions. No, that's my bow hunt this year in Ohio. Okay. The
0: 2022 yeah. buck, right?
2: 2022 buck. Yeah. All
0: right. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about that one. Wow. So okay. how long did you, did you know, did you know of this deer? Is this like a hunt of opportunity or is this like a deer that you kind of knew about?
2: No, I knew, I knew about them. In fact, um, you know, it's a farm that gets a lot of pressure and there's an army, Amish farm right across the street from where I park and and they all hunt. So, you know, like every time I, I, I get there in the morning and hunt and It'd be dark, and you know, I'm I'm putting on my stuff, and and I feel like somebody's watching me, and I look over my right shoulder, and there's an Amish kid with a you know with a climber on his on his back staring right. at me, you know, right. <laughs> so one of them type of deals. Right. But uh, but actually, uh, well, I found out. I mean, I'm sure I had pictures of the buck the previous year, but he really wasn't. I I don't think uh identified because this year he he had a really Big long brow that had a split on it, so he was real identifiable. Right. But uh, when I went in there to put my cameras up, I, I got cameras in there late, like sometime in August or whatever. And I was um, putting cameras out, and I had one camera on already on the edge of field on, of of a bean field that I had put out like maybe in July, and then I was putting a few more cameras out like in August. And I'm walking down, and it was standing corn on the one section of the farm, and then it was beans on on the other section. And I'm walking down the corn and I see a deer and it's like two in the afternoon and I see a big body deer step out and then another one steps out behind it and they go in the corn. I couldn't tell what they were just knew they had big bodies. I walk up there and I look into the corn and here's this buck I shot was with another one and they were, you know, I don't know if they were going, they were adjusting beds or if I bumped them, which is more likely or whatever, but, um, so I got my camera out, and here I thought I was I was videotaping it the whole time. They, were, they, they I actually um, snort wheezed at this buck in August in a cornfield with his velvet on still, hey. and he came out of the corn and walked straight at me to like ten yards.
1: Are you serious? Like he
2: didn't even he had no idea what I was. He thought I was a deer or whatever because wow. I was in. Just a five yard, you know, like, you know, the lane between the corn and the in the woods. Yeah. I was standing there and I I thought I was videotaping him the whole time. I was like, oh, and that would have been so cool now that I ended up killing him. But he saw me finally and he took off running. And I did. Then I looked down at my phone. I was like, oh, shit, I didn't hit the record button. So then I, I, I clicked record and I caught the other buck as it went through. And That's he was great. actually a little bigger than this one. Wow. And uh, so I knew about him starting in August. So then I started, you know, making a plan. To you know, hunt for him, and then there was you know there was a couple other bucks that were were in there, right. and uh, I I just um you know basically through trail camera pictures uh, more than scouting on this one um, I was able to keep track of where, what the bucks were doing you know and, and in the summertime they were they were hitting those beans and then when the season came um, they were still hitting the one edge of the field because it was it was shaded. So the beans were still green along that side. Yep. So I went, I went in there to do a hunt on the first day of archery. And I had the, the you know, the wind coming across the field towards me. Um, I had been getting pictures of uh, a couple different, uh, really good bucks coming out into that bean field. He was one of them. And, uh, that first night, the bigger one of the two that I was talking about, or, you know, that was the other one was with him. Um, the day when I was, when I jumped them into corn. He came out and started feeding in the beans, 40 yards away from me. And I was like, oh, this buck's going to, he read the script, I mean, first day archery, Mm -hmm. I'm shooting him. He's going to walk right up the, he was feeding right up the beans, right at me. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is going to be, I'm like, you know, one stick, two sticks high, you know, in between these maples and it was perfect setup. And he starts walking towards me. and a deer snorts behind me that I never saw. I, uh, I'm assuming he winded to me because, you know, he was downwind of me. Right. I don't know. I don't think he saw me move. I mean, I was farting around with the camera on, you know, I already had that deer in the back of my truck. And
1: <laughs> <laughs> he, as soon as that deer
2: snorted, that other buck took off. Right. So the, the, the way the wind was blowing that first day, and this, this all matters in the hunt. So that's why I'm going to get long winded real quick here. But the way the wind was blowing, I, I went, because it was coming out of like the south, I went to the very north end of the farm and I walked all the way down to the very east end of the farm property line and I came across the bottom. And on the way across the bottom, there's a beaver dam levee and I have a camera on it. It was just a a static, you know, it's a regular camera. Mm -hmm. And I pulled the card. So when I get home, I see that another even bigger buck is coming across this beaver dam. And I'm like, holy crap, I got to hunt there. Well, the next day, the wind wasn't going to be right for it. So I went back back to the original s- spot that I was at on the first day. And then I just kind of like that, th- this is, you know, I, I just kind of tried to stay on them deer like that. So I, I knew they were coming across that beaver dam. So now I focused on that, but I, I, I sat back the first hunt, did an observation hunt, and I watched what trail they were coming across. That, to, to, to get, they came off the levee, but then they had to they come in, into the property where I was hunting. So I had to watch where they were, you know, which way they were going. Right. So then I moved in on that trail. And the first night, the biggest buck on the farm stepped up. I stepped out across the beaver dam. I saw him come up out of his bed. He switched his bed a few times in the evening. And then I had a really good mature buck that had broken his rack on the one side, walked right under me at five yards. <laughs> Got that all on film or whatever. But uh, so that buck, that, that the one that I killed, he he kind of disappeared after that, because that was the first week of the season, basically. I, I was into him and then right around, I don't know, the 5th or whatever of October, you know, everything kind of shut down. And I don't know if it was th- the pressure from me and the Amish kid or, uh, and there was a couple other people that were hunting in there from PA actually, mm-hmm. and they're good hunters too, you know, that know, they know what they're doing. Right. And um, so uh, everything kind of shut down far as cell cameras. That doesn't mean that they weren't in there, but I wasn't getting pictures of them. So I went in there and I scouted, um, you know, through October a couple times, tried to you know watch my you know watch all everything i did and keep my ground sent down try to stay in water as much as i could uh check a few cameras move stuff around and nothing started showing back up until the first day or two of november so that's when i m- made my move in on this buck, and uh he started showing up and there was a 10 point in there that, that was showing up in the same area and uh <clears throat> we had uh south west wind on the second and we you know how we had that warm weather in november there early yeah so it was in uh, you know 70s for the second to third and the fourth, and uh, so what I did was I I went in there um, I had I had a uh, a camera on a scrape that was um, st- on the edge of a standing cornfield, and uh, I had gotten a picture like on the first uh, of a buck walking through there in daylight, so I went there on the second and that big ten that was like a 150 something come come through following the doe first thing in the morning and. And the doe saw me move and, and, and and she kind of veered off her path or he would have walked like right in my shooting lane, but oh, I couldn't damn. get a shot at him. Damn. So then, uh, I, 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 I hunted that day, um, till about noon, it got really hot and I was like, I got to scout around, you know, I'll make sure this is the place I need to be. Okay. So I, I went and I scouted around and, and I, I didn't find anything that showed me I needed to be in another spot. So I went back there again the next morning. And and because the the way the wind was coming across the farm and because these deer were were living in that stand in corn, I, I knew that there was no way I could get in there without my wind blowing into that cornfield. So I went to the furthest southern part of the farm and I walked all the way down to the furthest east, and then I walked all the way across to the furthest north, and then I came straight up to the, where I was gonna hunt just to try to mitigate, you know, <laughs> the, right. the, the wind and all that stuff. So that would have been the third. Um I got up there and First thing in the morning, this buck I ended up shooting comes down through the corn straight at me. But you know, I I, I couldn't I couldn't get you know there was no shot. Right. There was a lot of a lot of crap in a way, and I didn't cut a bunch of lanes because on the second it was like a hanging home On the third, I had left my stand in a clump of trees, and I just had repositioned it in that group of trees. I figured I'm in the right spot. At noon on the third, I have a a big tent, that big ten the same one again chase the doe all around me, couldn't get a shot at him. Yes. Um, and that was at like noon. So I waited till like one 30 or whatever. And I was like, you know, and the, the way he ran with chase and Adele, I'm like, he's probably not coming back here. I need to get down and make sure. Is there a way I can, and I was close to the property line. I mean, like within 30 yards of the next property. So I'm like, I, I, I like, screw it. I've got to Push in and see if I'm in the right spot, you know, because I, I, I was here twice. I saw two good bucks. I couldn't get a shot at them, So I need, I need to move probably. Right. I walked around, I checked everything out and I'm like, no, this is the place to kill the buck. I got to hunt here again. And I usually, you know, don't, don't do that three days in a row in the same spot. I had repositioned my stand a little bit, but I was in the same basic spot, you know? Right. So I went in there on the fourth, same deal, same wind, warm, same thing. All the way down, you know, for the southern part, off across the eastern bottom, come up the north side, get in the in the stand. And first thing in the morning, um, I had a bunch of turkeys, you know, chattering and stuff. They came down, I filmed it, it was cool. There's a whole group of them, they're yakking and birds gobbling and everything else. <laughs> and uh, which is, you know, in the fall, you, you do hear that sometimes. But right. anyhow, uh I'm I'm sitting here and it's about nine o'clock. All that all I'd seen so far was turkeys. And, uh, you know, the self-filming is a whole new level of difficulty, (laughs) right? You know what I mean? Because this is my first year doing it. You know, Justin Hollinsworth asked me to represent Lone Wolf custom gear and asked me to, you know, film for white Editions, and i was just like, well, I mean, I I, I was thinking about filming, but I've never really self-filmed. I mean, so, you know, it was a learning process the whole, the whole season, but it it, it turned out great. I mean, it's nine o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting there. And I look over and here's this buck. He's just standing. It came out of, I mean, I was on the edge of, I was on the inside quarter of a standing cornfield. And that's a great situation because those deer, when they walk those cornfields, they walk down the rows. Okay. So like very rarely, if you scout a standing cornfield, you don't see a lot of tracks going across the corn rows. The tracks are usually in the same rows and and they walk these certain uh, rows there in, in the corn. So when you're on the inside corner like that, you've got, you know, how they play at the fields. So in this situation, east, west was the long rose of corn. And then north, south was that bottom part along the wood line. Okay. Right. So right there, I had deer that were coming out that were moving east, west, and that were moving north, south. Okay. This buck that I shot, that I ended up shooting, he came with uh, wind, to, wind, the tail just like the big 10 point did on the first day. And, and, uh, and he, and he, I just, I looked I looked up in front of me and I had ranged it already. It was 30 yards. And I think the longest I've ever shot at a, a buck was 28 mm. and I knew it was 30, but there were some branches in the way. And he was standing there like a statue, just looking the other direction gave me enough time to get the camera on him and everything. And, uh, but I couldn't really shoot right then. So whenever anybody watches the, the the episode of addictions are going to be like, why isn't this guy shooting his deer standing broadside? But I mean, I, I couldn't right there because there was corn stalks. You really can't see it in the video. Cause you know how, when you got the camera arm, it's at a little bit different angle than what you are.
1: You right. Know? Yeah.
2: And uh, so I had to wait for him to start walking. So now I'm like trying to keep the thought out of my head that I've never shot at a deer this far before.
1: Right. And
2: that now he's moving, you know? Right. And he was on alert. So I didn't want to, um, because he, I think, I don't think he was, he's, he, he went me or anything. I just think that he was looking for a doe, you know? Right. And so he was walking and his head, you know, he was moving and uh, I didn't want to grunt to stop him because I was afraid and I've shot deer moving before, but usually at 10 or 15 yards, so this was 33 yards <laughs> when I finally ended up getting the shot. But yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I was able to get it all on, on film, make the shot. And, and the deer went about 150, 200 yards and he was dead as a doornail. So it was
0: that's it awesome. was pretty cool man that's awesome man. is that your first one on film
2: yeah that's that that was yeah that was the first buck I, yeah that was the first deer I ever ever got on film
0: yeah. that's awesome man the
2: uh so this was the first year i did it so it was the only buck i shot with my bow i shot a couple does with the bow and i got the one doe on on, on film um in late season with, with with matter of fact that that wide right nine point the one I said he's in here somewhere he he, he was standing next to the doe when I shot it oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but funny. anyhow yeah he was yeah they all came in together but but anyhow, yeah, that, um, that was the first year I ever did it. So I, I did get one, one dough on, on film and that buck on film.
0: So. That's awesome, man. How was, was uh, cool. how was self-filming? What do you, what do you think? It's a, I always, I have a love hate relationship with it. I do it every year, <laughs> every year I end up like throwing the camera out and, you know, <laughs> and then like the next year I'm always like, all right, I'm going to film all year this year, you know? So, you
2: know, I, I feel bad for he Cisco cause he's been, he's been editing my video. So I told him, I was like, man, I'm like, dude, uh, <laughs> I didn't, but you know, he's like, oh, you did actually pretty good for first time. You know what I mean? But, right. but yeah, it, it, it's once you get a routine down, um, and, and it becomes more automatic, but at the beginning of the season, it was way tougher. As I went through the season, it, it got a little bit easier. I mean, as far as weight goes, it weighs nothing. The, the camera arm weighs nothing, Yeah, you know, um, but it's just it's just the remembering to videotape certain things and talk about certain things and keep things at a certain amount of time frame. You know, you don't want to go too long. That yeah. That's the part that's tough to dial in right that's there. The, you know?
0: That's the part for me too. It's like, I hate, I'm like, oh man, I don't want to talk to the camera. And that's usually what kind of starts to kill it for me. Because the way, the, the the gear isn't a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, I use the the, the Lone Wolf uh, pocket arm. You know, that's what I use. Mm-hmm. That's what I yeah. use too. And it's great. Um, the only tweak I had to make last year was that, You know, um, it's easy to film hunting out of a saddle, but Mm -hmm. they're like two years ago. I think it was two years ago. I started using a ring of steps a lot. Um, previously I'd used like the, uh, tethered predator platform is what I had been using and I, and I like it. I just changed to a ring of steps for certain hunts. And I do like the ring of steps, but it made it really, really hard to film. I could never get it kind of adjusted. Right. So I went back to using the predator platform last year. And when I did that, filming became a lot easier. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like a mental block I had or what, but it was just like, I could never get everything set up correctly to where it felt right.
2: Well, uh, that's the hard part because having it on the right side of the tree, because I actually got a nice miss of a beautiful PA buck on the five minutes left of the last day of our archery season. Hmm. At, at 17 yards shot right underneath them, but I got it all on film <laughs> having, to, having the camera at the right angle on the tree yeah. so that you can, you know, not move much because I don't, I don't hunt high, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I never went really higher than 10 or 12 feet this year until late season when I shot that doe. Yeah. But um, yeah, that, the, it's just, it's just tough to, you know, do you, you, am I going to be able to put the, the, the arm on the left side of me on the right side of me at what height, mm-hmm. you know, and am I going to be able to move it around? I mean, there's so much, that goes into it, but I mean, I, I am, I'm hundred percent full bore on film and hunch forever. I mean, I, I, I loved it. It's I really it, did. It, it was cool. It's cool.
0: Like I, I, I do like it. I like it whenever I get to let an arrow go and I can go back and watch the footage, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it helps just to kind of see like, especially looking where impact is, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. make a good shot that are not make a good shot. Like just that, that type of stuff, you know, is, is what I would really like. Um, well,
2: a little bit of advice to people who um, are new to it because like I am is I don't shoot. I, well, I used to, but I, I quit shooting lighted knocks,
1: mm, you mm-hmm.
2: know, a few years ago. Cause I was, you know, trying to do, you know, how much weight forward, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, And <laughs> front of center or whatever they call it. And, and, yep. and the thing of it is, is so it made it, didn't make it any easier for me to tell where I hit him because you couldn't tell where, you know what I mean? Cause I didn't have a lighted knock, but that'll be something I'm changing right. for next year. Well,
0: the one thing that I found, and it's funny that you say that because so I forget what year it was. It was not probably two seasons ago. Um, I did this thing with, uh, my buddies at tethered. Like we had, I had a, they sent a camera guy with me to Missouri, a buddy, Zach mm-hmm. Shermer filmed that whole trip. Um, yep. and I ended up hitting a deer and, and losing it on like the last day of that hunt. And, mm-hmm. The, the cool thing, not the cool thing, but like the thing that we learned was in that trip was, and Chad talked about this cause Chad was kind of considering going to lighted knocks too, because you know, they, he was doing some filming stuff. And when we went back and looked at that footage to see where I hit that deer, mm-hmm. I just used white knocks and that white knock was as bright in film as like watching a lighted knock. And no so, kidding. yeah. So, he, so now it's like, you know, he uses, you know, a white knock because, because of that. Cause yeah. if you were, if you're filming that white knock shows up just as much as a lighted knock would, and you don't have to mess with like the different weight of the, of the knock or finding one that fits your arrow or ones that mm-hmm. turn on or don't turn
2: on, or it's been on in your quiver for a day. You know what I mean? That's yeah. why I gave up on them. Yeah. They, they're just, I could never find one that was reliable.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so just using like a really clean white knock has worked. Um, and I've, I shot a doe. I didn't put out a film or anything, uh, for, it, but I shot a doe like that I filmed and, uh, and I went back and was able to look, you know, and I could see the arrow flying and saw exactly where I hit her and, and stuff like that. So um yeah, before you do before you do that, I would maybe take some practice rips in your yard at different lights, you know, at, like uh-huh. you know, at twilight, you like dust and dawn, yeah, yeah, and film it and check and check it out and 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 see if you can see it. Um, because you might not have to switch to to lighted knocks, but
2: well, he said, uh, "Switch the lighter dogs." <laughs> oh, they yeah. Well,
0: he's the boss, man. See, so, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Well, cool, man. We've been uh, we've been chatting it up here for about an hour and a half, man. I want to be sensitive oh, to your. No, no, I want to be sensitive to your time. But before I let you uh, get going, let folks know where they can watch this video and anything that you have going on, folks that you're working with, and, and things of that nature.
2: Okay, the video will be on upcoming edition. I don't know when yet of uh, Whitetail Addictions. Mm -hmm. and uh if you want to you know as far as social media goes i'm on facebook as mike perry i'm on um instagram as mike perry north and i have a facebook page that a friend jason phillips and i started um about a month or two ago and it's called year round bow hunter so that's on facebook um it is a um, a private group, but you know, send me a message or whatever. If you want to join, we're just trying to keep, you know, unfortunately nowadays you, you have haters and, and, and thieves out there. So you got to watch, you know, who you bring into whatever, but yeah, yeah, that's how you can get a hold of me and, you know, always willing to talk to you or share information.
0: Awesome, man. Well, uh, good work, buddy. I look forward. I was actually hoping that film was out already. I was searching for it like a week or so ago. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Whenever I, I saw, maybe it was, um, I don't know who, you might've posted something about it or someone did. And I saw a post and I was like, Oh, I was like, I want to watch that. And I went and was like searching on YouTube to try to find it and couldn't find it. I was like, damn it. I was like, it must not be coming out to like fall or something when they drop the whole season or something. So people yeah. should be on the lookout for that when that comes out and, uh, make sure to give Mike a follow on Facebook, Instagram, check out his, also uh,
2: one more thing, if I could real, yeah. real quick. Um, I'm going to be a guest speaker at the, uh, the, the um, the road show for Lone Custom Gear here yeah. in Pennsylvania. It's going to be out your way. Mm-hmm. Actually, I can't remember the name of the place right now, but it's, it's out towards Philadelphia. And, uh, and, um, the, you know, anybody wants to, you know, talk to you or come to that and check that out too. Sorry awesome, to interrupt you there.
0: Yeah, no, no, no problem. Uh, awesome, buddy. Well, everyone give a, uh, give Mike a shout, follow him, check him out. And, uh, thanks for coming on, man. I always appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to chatting with you again soon, buddy.
2: All right, man. Sounds good. Thank you.
0: Alright folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast in hell. While you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. Before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Spartan Forge, Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all.